I started a series a few weeks ago entitled A Journey into Deep and Powerful Prayer. And that will be our focus for a while when I'm in the pulpit. There will be others who will be speaking. Uh, but when I'm here, we're going to deal with, with prayer. And so this morning, we want to begin with a, uh, uh, a testimony. You're going to have to hold that close. This is Betty Fusco. Um, she's been a faithful and dedicated and committed member uh, in this church since. And I know this was before, but I came here in April the 5th, 1987, and she's been here ever since. So uh, um, she has endured a lot of preaching that, <laughs> that she probably didn't need. But, uh, but any, anyway, uh, first, Betty, tell us about the prayer request. And then we're going to talk about Israel in a few minutes. But tell us about the uh, prayer that you prayed about meeting your brother. When I was six, my parents divorced, and I had a baby brother who was three. He was put up for adoption, and so in all these 80 years, I didn't know him. I didn't see him. And it wasn't too long ago when I told my daughter about him because my children did not know. And I told my daughter about him, and I said, but I've been praying that I could meet him once in my life before I die. In March, a man called me on the phone and said, I think I'm your brother. He came to my home in April. He came here, I got here on a Saturday night after we'd done a lot of discussion. Got here on a Saturday evening. And I said, will you go to church with me tomorrow morning? And he looked at me rather strange, and he said, oh, yes, I'll go to church with you. So he came with me here in this church. Brother Henry preached the salvation message. Brother Henry led in that prayer that he always uses, you know, that wonderful, super, absolutely great prayer. <laughs> and my brother... Standing beside me, said the prayer. <clears throat> I heard him in my ears. Brother Henry came down and met him, and Brother Henry asked him, Did you pray the prayer? Yes, I did. Were well, you saved? Yes, I am. We had five wonderful days. Five days together. Never once did we say, oh, we missed 80 years. Never once did we cry about what we had lost. We were so rejoicing in just being in each other's presence and just, have, just being with one another. He was always telling me how much he loved me, and I was telling him how much I loved him, and nobody bothered us. Our whole family just left us alone to sit on my front porch. So we made plans to meet again when he, he went back to Indiana, and we made plans to go uh, to meet again. But I became ill, and I had to go to the hospital, and so that just threw everything awry. And uh, in the meantime, my brother, who had cancer, had to have an operation. 
He had a kidney operation, and the next day he died. My daughter had called the church and told them, because the first day I was back in church, this is so awesome. The very first day I was back in church, I was here to have dinner. My daughter called Henry and told him about my brother. So Brother Henry, at the end of the service, he came walking toward me with all of these other people that I love so much that I've spent so many years with. They came and gathered around me and broke the news. I can't tell you how bad that pain was, but I can tell you what joy it was to have my family around me, what joy it was to have them encouraging me and for me to be able to rejoice in Christ Jesus for the five days. Wow. In the meantime, now I have decided to go, I decided to go to Indiana anyway to meet his family. I got the impression very, very quickly that nobody there knew the Lord, that nobody is saved. Now, I was not able to speak a lot, but every chance I got, I did a little dropping of this, 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 this. I am in communication with them now, and I am still dropping. God put him in my life at that particular time to save him, but also to save his family and to save me. Because, because before that, I was just absolutely wiped out. You know, you get old and you're tired and all that jazz. Well, that's where I was. But now I have a mission. You're not too old. I have one other thing to say. I'm supposed to stop, but I have one other thing to say. No. <laughs> we are entering into the holiest season of the year, except for Easter. We are into that holy, holy, holy Thanksgiving, which we must be in Thanksgiving all of the time. We are entering in the celebration of the birth of Jesus. I beg you as your sister, do not allow anything to distract you from the holiday, not the activities preparing for it, but spending time with your families, forgiving, loving, holding them close, and drawing everybody who doesn't know Jesus into Jesus Christ. Thank you very much. Amen. 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 Okay. Uh, stand, stand with me. We're just going to pray right now. Uh, Betty, I know we're not supposed to do this, but... Uh, how old are you? I'm 89, almost 90.
We have an 89-year-old missionary standing in front of us right now. And she has a purpose and a mission. We're going to pray right now. Father, would you make a way? Would you open the doors and the channels for our dear sister to finish this ministry, the course that you've given her? Father, we pray that the day will come soon when she will once again stand before this church and say, I've led my family to Christ. Uh, Lord, prepare them and prepare her. We pray for perfect divine timing. We pray, Lord, that you will bless and that souls will be saved and lives will be changed. And we thank you for what you've done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Bless you. Hallelujah. Uh, We were going to talk about Israel, but uh, I prepared a message. And I was afraid I wouldn't have enough time to preach this message. And so, so here we go. We're going we're, we're gonna to get started. And um, uh, I, I've been so excited about this particular series on a journey into powerful prayer. And I, I do want to say, and I should have said this from the beginning, I am very aware of the fact that we have some great prayer warriors in this church. And I just want to thank you. If you're one of those prayer warriors praying for me, praying for the staff, praying for this church, praying for the ministry here, uh, praying for your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're just on the front lines of prayer. I want to thank you. And, and I'm excited uh, about through this series, those numbers increasing as we move forward. Now, let me bring you up to date in the first uh, message I preached on the power of prayer. You remember I used James five sixteen. the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Uh, the Bible tells us uh, basically when we pray, uh, there's power to sum it up. Prayer can do anything God can do and God can do anything. And there are no limits when it comes to prayer. There are no boundaries when it comes to prayer. You see, prayer gets you to God, and God has no limits. He has no boundaries. God can do anything. All things are possible with him, and prayer links us with him. Uh, It is so powerful. I heard a preacher say one time that prayer is like firing a ballistic missile from any parallel any place on the planet and hitting any desired place on the planet that no matter where you are, you can pray. And then the, the message, the word, the connection, uh, can strike any given place strategically on the planet. This past week, I was talking with one of our missionaries, Sandor Angel from Colombia. He's some 2000 miles away from here. And he said, let me pray for you. And he started praying and the Holy Spirit started washing over me. I thought he's offering prayer up to God 2,000 miles away. And it's hitting me immediately, instantly. Right now, I'm receiving it. How amazing. Prayer is powerful. Do not neglect this wonderful gift that God has given us. In the second message, I talked to you about the high priority of prayer. Uh, If you remember, I gave you five things. We pulled them right out of the scriptures. We said that prayer had to be first of all. First of all, I think we'll pull it up on the screen. There we go. Uh, Prayer has to be in first place. 
We have to pray about everything. We pray nonstop. We're to pray in the spirit all the time and we're never to lose heart. That is the high priority of prayer. This morning, I want to talk to you just for a moment on conversational prayer, conversational prayer. However, I want to begin by showing you a video of some children praying. And there's a lot to learn from these children. This is cute. It's funny. But there's a lot to learn, and we'll talk about this. Let, let's play the video. Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, why do drafts look so funny? Thank you for preparing horses on the earth. Please bless the guys to be good so they'll be resurrected. Please help me to never go to the dentist. Thank you for Grandpa's birthday. Bless the day. Give me apples and have my point too. Thank you for all the doggies. Thank you for that haircut. Please help Christmas to come soon. Thank you for the baby's haircut. Thankful for my cat that lets me dress him in my clothes. Thank you for Jesus' haircut. Please help us to have pancakes in the morning. Please bless the toothache and gum. Please protect us from big hungry sharks, tsunamis and lightning, vampires, fires and tornadoes, and mean fish in the ocean like piranhas. Please bless them not to grow a beard. Please bless that the girls won't try to kiss me at recess anymore. Please bless for me to not get cold this Christmas. Thank you for kitties. Please tell Jesus to bring the dinosaurs back again. Please bless I can sail my toys with my sister. Please bless that the Tyrannosaurus Rexes will come back to eat off the bad guys. Please bless that we won't crash when we're driving. Please help me to be more grateful when you bless me. I'm thankful for this beautiful world that Jesus has created for us to live on. Thank you for loving us, even though we make mistakes. Please bless that my family can be together forever. Please help me to feel bad when I make a mistake. Please help me to be a better big brother. Please bless the poor, even though we don't know who they are. And we know that the spirits in our home are kind and nice. Please bless me to see others as you see them. Please bless I can read the scriptures even though I'm little. Please bless me with more trials because I know that's how I grow. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. Hey, I love that clip. I, I love that. And, and what I love about it is these children and your children, you know this, if you have children and grandchildren, they talk to Jesus about whatever's on their mind. It does not matter. If they're thinking about it, they talk about it. If it's about dinosaurs, they talk to Jesus about dinosaurs. If it's about haircuts, they talk to Jesus about haircuts. Thank you, Jesus, for daddy's haircut, for the baby's haircut. I don't know where she got Jesus' haircut. Maybe she saw a picture of Jesus and thought he needs a haircut. And surely when he got to heaven, God gave him a haircut. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, thank you, God, for Jesus' haircut. Who knows? And I like the one about the guy, little fellow said, uh, Lord, help me that the girls won't kiss me at recess. That was on his mind. That was on his heart. That was bugging him. Now, I'm pretty sure that prayer will change pretty 
you know, in a, in a few years, but that's what he was praying about. L- listen, we laugh and we look at this, but I want to tell you, Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like little children. And what Jesus was referring to in scripture, there's a number of different scriptures, is this, that we need to be like little children when it comes to faith, when it comes to humility, when it, when it comes to genuineness, when it comes to being honest. We need to be like little children. And children are honest. They really are. They haven't learned how to lie. Uh, a few years ago, I was somewhere in the church. I don't remember where I was. And I was seated. And a little child in this church ran and jumped up in my lap and just hugged me. Oh, it was wonderful. Felt like heaven. And I had a moment. I'm thinking, man, I am, I'm, be, I'm the pastor of his church. What an honor. People love me. Children love me. <laughs> this is good. And then she let go. I don't remember what I said to her, but I will never forget what she said to me. Because she looked at me and she said, whoa, your breath stinks. (laughs) My moment was over. It was over right there. And to this day, I carry mints in my pocket because of that. Yeah, she made a difference in my life. That little girl. As strange as it may sound, the Lord Jesus has taught us in the word not to be like the educated, formal, religious hypocrites who were going through the motions and playing games. He said, be like children. Be, be like the little children. In, in, in fact, he said, if you want to get to heaven, you need to be like little children. Here it is, Matthew 18, 3 and 4. And Jesus said, this is Jesus talking, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I think the Lord was saying, you've got to be real. You've got to be genuine. You've got to be honest. Today, I want to encourage you as we move forward in this prayer series to talk to Jesus about everything. Everything. Whatever's on your mind, talk to the Lord about it. I'm talking about constant, continual communion all the time where you're talking to him and where he's talking to you all day long, every day for the rest of your life. And don't forget that scripture that Jesus said, my sheep know me and they hear my voice. That's what I'm talking about. And listen, not only am I encouraging you to do that, I want to tell you something. There is a promise connected with that that's almost out of this world. Just hard to believe. And you know what that promise is? Peace. Peace. Listen to this. I'll read it to you. 
Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, this is praying about everything all day long, continuously, nonstop, but in everything by prayer, everything. If it's getting a haircut, you talk to Jesus about it. You just get into this mode where everything that's going on in your life, your family, your children, your job, your finances, you just talk to the Lord about everything. You don't get uptight. You don't get anxious. You just talk to the Lord about it. And verse 7 says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. My goodness. This, this is amazing. How many of you would like to have that kind of peace? You would love to have that kind of peace, the kind of peace that passes all understanding. So much peace that you can't even comprehend it. (laughs) So much peace in your heart that you can't wrap your brain around it. You you can't even understand how it's even possible. Oh, storms are raging in the world. Yes, they are. They always have been. They always will be. But you have peace. Sometimes storms raging in your family. Boy, family members can be difficult, can't they? Yeah. Wouldn't it be better if you could choose your family? You could pick out the family you want to be in. But the Lord gave you that family. Sometimes storms will be in the family. Sometimes your finances will be unstable. Sometimes the doctors will give you some bad news and all kinds of crazy stuff going on. But you have peace. You have wonderful, heavenly, reassuring, mind-boggling peace. Why? Because you pray about everything. You just take everything to the Lord. You, you You just talk to the Lord about it. I, I can I can sum my message up in four words. I hope you'll remember these. Stop worrying. By the way, that's what the word anxious means in this text. Stop worrying. Start praying. Just stop worrying. Start praying. And and did you notice those two words in there? Anything and everything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. If you want it in computer language, you delete worry and you make prayer your default. Just keep going back to prayer. You, you, just, you just delete worry, you start praying. Now, you may not think that's possible, but it is possible. I'm sorry, but prayer is not an obligation. I mean, excuse me, worry is not an obligation. It is not a requirement. You worry because you choose to worry. Just like you pray because you choose to pray. But I I can tell you what, you you can't do both of them at the same time. They're mutually exclusive. Worry will drive out prayer and prayer will drive out worry. Now, listen, let's be real just for a moment. Let's just be real. There will always be something to worry about. There will always be problems, adversities, 
hardships, crazy things going on, concerns, frustrations. There will always be these things in the world and in our lives, and they will come at you nonstop. And you cannot delete that part of life. But here's what you can do. You can choose what you do when it comes at you. You can either choose to worry and get frustrated and get uptight and be angry and and have the weight of the world on your shoulders, or you can pray. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. You can decide to take this, whatever it is, to the one who gave you joy in the first place. And he'll protect you from losing that joy. You see, you can take it to the Lord. Some years ago, by the way, Sister Diane and... Uh, has been such a blessing to me in this church and our hearts go out to the family. This was her father that passed away. We'll have his funeral service on, on Wednesday. She worked with me for 30 years. And I tell you, she compensated for a lot. One time I wrote an article. I don't really remember what it was about, but I do remember writing an article for the newsletter that says we're calling all the prayer warriors together. But I misspelled it. And I said, we're calling all the prayer warriors together. (laughs) Thankfully, she caught it before it got out before the whole church and saved me a great deal of embarrassment. But you know, there was something about that that I never forgot. Sometimes I question myself, am I a prayer warrior or am I a prayer worrier? Maybe a lot of what we call prayer is not prayer at all. It's just worrying. It's just verbalizing our worries. Oh, listen to me. That's not what God wants out of us. When something comes to you, this is what God wants you to do. God wants you to take whatever it is. And he wants you to just constantly, continuously, just being, just offer it up to him. He's there for you. He wants to be in communion with you. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to talk to him about everything. And I can tell you, we don't have time to go into it. But if you'll talk to the Lord about everything, it'll solve a host of problems in your life. But I can tell you the one thing that will happen, it's promised in the scriptures, is the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart. I tell you... um, I've known some people that knew how to pray like this. And I'm encouraging you to learn how to pray like this. I'm talking all day long, every day about everything, nonstop. You don't quit. Just conversational prayer. You just talk to the Lord. Some of you remember, in fact, most of you should remember Fred Adonisio. He was a guy that would come into church and he would come up and sit with me and Charles up front. Excuse me. And I loved him dearly. Some years ago, I met him in Tallahassee and I had the privilege of leading him to the Lord. And Fred started praying. He, 
He would call me on a weekly basis and say, I've prayed about something and God answered my prayer and he'd tell me what it was. And then a few days later, he'd call me and he'd say, I prayed about something else and God blessed me. I prayed about my son. God blessed me. I prayed about some finances. God blessed me. And I just never talked to anybody or been around anybody that had so many nonstop answers to prayer. And one day I drove to Tallahassee and, and this is, uh, I, I sat down in his office and, and I said, Fred, tell me about your prayer life. What's going on in your prayer life? He said, I don't know. What do you, I don't know what you're talking about. Nobody taught him how to pray. By the way, if you're here today and nobody has ever taught you how to pray, good. You don't need to learn how to pray. It should be second nature to you talking to your Savior, interacting with your Lord. Most of the time when we learn, we learn the wrong way. I I said, Fred, how do you do it? And he said, well, something happens and I'll just ask Jesus to take care of it. I, I said, Fred, is that all you say? He said, yeah, not long ago, my son was having a problem and he called me. And so when I got off the phone, I said, Jesus, you know who my boy is. Would you help my boy out? He said, next day, he called me and said, Dad, something happened. The problem solved. That day, sitting in his office, he said, a few days ago, I had an installer. He, he was a carpet salesman, floor salesman. And he said, I had an installer. And he called me and said, Fred, I know we're supposed to finish today. I know we can't. We're, we're supposed to uh, get this in today. But something has happened. It's impossible. I can't finish. And Fred said, Hold on just a minute. I'll call you back in a few minutes. He said, I got off the phone. I said, Jesus, nothing's impossible with you. Now he's telling me about praying this prayer. Jesus, nothing's impossible with you. So Jesus, would you help them? Would you help them get this done today? Find a way. He said a few minutes later, my phone rang before I could call him back. And the guy said, you're not going to believe this. We figured it out. We figured out how to finish it. Fred was telling me, you're going to love this story. Fred was telling me he was in Tallahassee and, and he wasn't in the best health even at this time. And he said he was going somewhere and his car broke down. And he, he said um, that, what am I going to do? He said he got out of his car and he said, Jesus, my car's broke down. I need some help. Can you help me? He said, that's all he prayed. He said, he heard a voice from behind him that said, Fred, is that you? You know who it was? Pastor Chuck Coburn was in Tallahassee right behind him and got out and helped him. Now, hold on. I'm about to blow your mind. I'm going to talk about the sovereignty of God for a moment that I'm going to tell you, God knew Fred. God knew what Fred would pray. God knew that intimacy that he was uh, walking with, with him. And God planned that. God had Chuck Coburn on course. Chuck didn't have a clue. He was just in his own world. (laughs) But God directed Chuck to be right there so the prayer could be answered. That's the kind of prayer life I'm talking about. 
Listen, my mother-in-law, and you'll be hearing through this series a lot about my mother-in-law, but she was like that. She knew how to get answers from God, and I never heard her pray this big, beautiful, wonderful prayer, but she knew how to pray. By the way, as far as those big, beautiful prayers are concerned, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying if that's all it is, it's not much. And back to Fred, one day Fred sat on this front pew right here and he had heard some of us pray. And he said, will you teach me how to pray like that? I said, absolutely not. (laughs) You need to teach us how to pray. Beth and I had finished up school. I'd been called into the ministry. I had graduated. I was ready to serve the Lord, but didn't have any place to preach. So we moved back from Mississippi. We moved into the home of my mother-in-law and my father-in-law and my, my mother-in-law, Mama Kyle, that's what I called her. She walked by me. She said, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't know. I'm just a little discouraged. What are you discouraged about? Well, I, I've accepted the call in the ministry and God's called me to preach, but I don't have any place to preach. So help me. My mother-in-law said to me, wait just a minute. And she walked out of the room. I, did, I had no idea what she was about to do. She walked out of the room. I never heard anything. A few minutes later, she walked back in the room. This is what she said. She said, I talked to the Lord about this. You don't have anything to worry about. She said, this Sunday, someone will call you and you'll be preaching somewhere this Sunday. And from this point on in your life, you will always have a place to preach. She said, that's what the Lord says. Do you know what? I've always had a place to preach. That's what I'm talking about. Now, listen to me, child of God. There is a place for all kinds of praying and you will need to engage in all types of praying. There will be times when you will need to get serious and you'll need to dig in and you'll need to do some prayer and fasting. There will be times when you need to go into deep supplication and where you're making your petitions known before God. There will be times when you'll need to come together with brothers and sisters in Christ in the prayer of agreement, and we will agree together. There's power in agreement. There will be times when you need to go into deep repentance, deep intercession, in ministry-type praying, where you lay your hands on people and pray for them. There will be times for all of that. We have to do that. But listen to me. There is no substitute for abiding, walking, talking, fellowshipping, moment by moment, communion and fellowship with the Lord. There's no substitute for that. Listen, it is that kind of praying that has to dominate our Christian lives. We have to be saturated in this constant, continual walk and communion with the Lord. And when we walk with him like that and talk to him about everything, he promises peace. I'm reminded of an Old Testament passage, Isaiah 26, 3. says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Listen, I could go on and on. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I'm talking about making up your mind that you're going to step into a 
prayer relationship with the Lord. And you're going to talk to him and fellowship with him and commune with him about everything. And, and I want to tell you, you will never have the peace of God on your life like God wants you to have. If prayer is something you do every now and then, if a prayer meeting is something you go to, you'll have peace when you step into a prayer, communion, fellowship, intimacy, relationship with the Lord and you talk to him all the time. Would you bow with me in prayer?